Very good. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm just going to wait till you all sit down and then I'm going to say, stand up. Come on, everyone up. We've been up and down. It's good exercise. I want you to go and say Merry Christmas to two or three people. Take some time. Go say Merry Christmas to someone. Share the love. Good. Take a seat. Come on in. Who's enjoyed the singing so far? Yes, plenty more to come. Hey, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. If you've come to church for the 10 a.m. service, you'll notice that things are not running to the normal program. We've got you. So we're going to be, um, I'm going to share with you for the next little while, my privilege to be able to share with you around Christmas today. And really I'll get the opportunity to share a few thoughts with you about your expectations when it comes to Christmas. Who's got some great expectations for tomorrow? Kids, anyone? Whose expectations are a little bit lower down this year maybe? No? Okay. What are you expecting your expectations might be about that perfect present that you might be getting. Anyone expecting something good under the tree? Anyone peaked already? That's the biggest challenge in my household is to stop the peaking from going on from the stuff already under the tree. Maybe you're worried about how the gift you've given will be received. Is there anyone here whose expectations doesn't revolve around gifts, but it revolves around something way more important? And that's the food. Is there anyone that can relate right now? Is anyone getting hungry just looking at that picture? That's right, Pavlova. Food coma coming on tomorrow. Very good. Maybe you're worrying whether the people will like what you've prepared. Will it be as good as Helen's? That's what you're all going to be asking tomorrow as you cook your food, aren't you? Will it be as good as Helen's? I wonder how many of us can relate to something we've seen in the drama so far. Because the reality is we put so much great expectations on Christmas, either ourselves or on others or on the gift or the food. The drama was a little bit too close home for me and it wasn't a good memory. The drama brought back something very painful and it's the family photo. I'm from a large family. I'm the oldest of five siblings. There are a lot of us in our family, and every second year is a lot family Christmas. This year, we're with the outlaws, I mean the in-laws. But this, every second year, is a lot family. And being the oldest of five, mum thinks it's a great idea to have a family portrait at Christmas time every two years. And I'm not talking about an iPhone and just a quick snap on the day. I'm talking about finding the perfect location. I'm talking about booking a photographer. 
I'm talking about getting 12 adults and 16 grandkids in one spot and all trying to look at the camera at exactly the same time. And this is last year's one, and you can see that not everyone's looking at the camera, are they, Sunny Lot? <laughs> because there are multiple, multiple, multiple takes to try and get that perfect snap because family Christmas is about getting that perfect photo for my mum. And it really is a wonderful experience. You should try it sometime. If your family's not that big, just gather some strangers and try and get 26 people to look at the camera at once and you will know the pain. It really is though, even though it is painful at the time, it is what Christmas is about, about being together. And whatever it is that you are expecting this Christmas, whether it be good things or bad things, I wonder if your expectations will be met. Because I've discovered that there's often a gap between our expectations and reality. There is a gap between what we hope for the perfect family photo and what might just be a painful, traumatic experience for some. Sometimes the gap, though, is a wonderful thing. Sometimes the gap between what you're expecting and reality, reality is just so much better. The present is just so much better. The food, the family, everything is just way better than you ever imagined or hoped or dreamed. And I hope that's what happens tomorrow. But I know for many, it's more the opposite, that the gap is a painful thing because you're hoping for one thing and you get another. Don't you, Lucy Light? A whoopee cushion is not a good present. You know why? A whoopee cushion is not a good Christmas present? Because they're broken within a minute and they're ruined and you have no more fun. But on a serious note, when things fall short of what we're expecting, sometimes there can be pain. Sometimes we can put ourselves under huge expectation and we don't live up to it and we have to deal with this thing called disappointment. Our narrator to this morning quoted Martin Luther King Jr. who said, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. How do you do that? How do you maintain hope? How do you keep your hope when things haven't turned out the way you were expecting? How do you stay in hope? How do you dare to keep hoping when things aren't going to plan, when things are painful, when things are hard? The author of Lamentations tells us how in Lamentations 3, and yes, Lamentations is a book in the Bible that sounds like Lamington's, but it's a book really in the Bible. <laughs> Lamentations 3.21, the author writes this, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The author of this scripture writes that he keeps his hope by remembering who God is. He keeps his hope by remembering that God is faithful. He keeps his hope by remembering that God's love never ends and his mercies towards him are new every day. And that keeps him in hope. By remembering that his inheritance, his future is in God, he is filled with hope. And even when hope is not there, he reminds himself and he's filled with hope again. But the thing to know about this passage, you can read that verse and think, wow, that's great, he's got hope. He must be going well, things must be awesome for him. But you read the verse before, verse 20, it says this, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. He's going through a hard time. And I'm very aware that for some in a room this big, there will be people that Christmas is a hard time. 
I'm very aware that there's families in our church who are experiencing their first Christmas without a loved one. And I can't imagine the pain and what that is like. The mixed emotion of celebrating Christmas with family, but also the memory of a loved one who's not here with you. And I'm very aware that for some, Christmas is not all happy days. I'm aware that there's financial stress, that there's broken relationships, that there's financial pressure. There's a whole range of things that can steal our hope, that can steal our joy. But in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the sorrow, the writer says that he dares to hope. Despite of it being a bad day, despite of him having some loss that he's talking about, he says that he's still able to dare to hope. And my prayer for you this Christmas is that no matter what your situation is, no matter what your Christmas is like, whether it's a good one, whether it's a painful one, whether it's enjoyable, whether it's you're tolerating it, whatever your Christmas is like, I pray that you too would be able to find some hope, that you too would be able to dare to hope despite of a situation. You know, when everything is going well and everything is perfect, you don't know so much need hope because the situation's good. But when the situation is tough, that's when you need hope the most. That's when you need to cling on to it the most and grab it the most and say, no, I will stay in hope. My prayer is that you can know what it is to have hope this Christmas. The writer of the Lamentations was able to hope when he remembered the love of God. And you can too have that hope when you discover or you know or you remind yourself of God's love for you. See, the love of God was personified on that first Christmas night when Christ was born. When Jesus came to the earth, not in the way that many were expecting. In one sense, Jesus didn't live up to the expectations that were put on him. They expected him to be all these things. But on that night that Jesus was born, an angel appeared to some shepherds. And he announced this. He announced his arrival. It says in Luke 2, I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. See, he wasn't born in some important place like Maitland. He wasn't born in a capital city. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born with great fanfare and people know about it, but he was born in a small town called Bethlehem. There was no room for him. You know the story. He had to be born in a stable and they lied him in a manger. If you don't know what a manger is, it's a food trough for animals. It's not glorious. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't what was expected of a king of kings to be born. But that's what our saviour was born into. He came in an unexpected fashion he lived his life in an unexpected way. People, he was constantly doing the unexpected. And the news is today he continues to do the unexpected in our lives. Jesus continues to be the God who, who does the unexpected, who blows our mind away. And in fact, the more you think you've figured out who God is, the further from the truth you've wandered. The more you think you've got it all figured out and you've all got God in a box and you understand everything there is to know about the Bible, well, then I'm afraid you're, you're starting to go down the path of untruth. Because God cannot be put in a box. God cannot be contained. God cannot be understood by my human logic or reasoning or desire. I heard someone say this week that when they were discovering about who God is, they started by having God in a box this big. 
and they were honest enough to say that by the end of the study, they realized that they still had God in a box. It's just the box got a lot bigger. And I want to say to you that you can't find a box big enough to contain who God is and his love for you and his mercies that are new every morning. It's about discovering who he is afresh daily, doing the unexpected. You know, when I heard the theme for, for Christmas Eve this year, Great Expectations, I wanted to call it What to Expect When You're Expecting, but they said, no, that's been taken. <laughs> great Expectations. The scripture that came into my mind straight away, the, the thought that I came of straight away was 1 Corinthians 2.9. And it says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Read that again. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined. You cannot put God in a box. You cannot imagine the goodness of God because he goes beyond that. And I want to tell you this Christmas Eve that God wants to do the unexpected in your life. God wants to continually blow away your expectations. Not in the kind of way where you have an expectation of him and he only comes up to here but in a way that he goes above and beyond anything you could expect or desire or imagine or, or believe or think of, beyond anything that your mind can comprehend. That's why those who know his love should have hope because those who know his love are reminded of the love that God has for us. We, we lose our hope. We only need to remind ourselves of his love and his faithfulness towards us. And that gives me reason to hope. When I know his love, when I know his faithfulness, when I know his goodness, I can't help but have hope, even if things aren't going perfectly in my world. When we know his true love, it gives us reason to hope. And this Christmas, whatever your situation, my prayer again is that you would have infinite hope, a hope that can only come from knowing the love of God. You know, the Christmas story is a story that's well told. Lots of movies, lots of songs. We've sung some of the songs today that describe it. But essentially, the Christmas story is a love story. I didn't know if you knew that. It's a love story about how God loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, that at Christmas time we celebrate the greatest gift given ever, and that being Jesus Christ. And John 3.16 says this, For God loved the world so much that he gave, so much that he gave his one and his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And the way we respond to this gift or the way we receive this gift of eternal life or eternal hope is by believing in Jesus, believing that he is the Son of God, believing that the Bible, what the Bible says about him is true. We call this faith. You know, our, our narrator tonight, who did an excellent job tonight, this morning, who did an excellent job, let's give a hand for our drama team and the rest of them. But he quoted Martin Luther King Jr. And I want to quote him again. He said this, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And that describes to me what it is to respond to the love of God. To take a step of faith. To take a step of saying, Yes, God, I accept, I believe who you are and I want you in my life. I don't see the whole staircase and I don't need to see the whole staircase. Because I know that you love me. I know that you are for me. I know that you are faithful. I know that your mercies are new every day and that is enough. Today I want to invite you to take that first step of faith. Believing in Jesus without knowing the whole staircase. Do you know, I'm a pastor. 
I get paid to study the Bible and explain who God is, and I don't know the whole staircase. We are never going to know the whole staircase in our life, but that's why it's called a life of faith. It's called a faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not a person of religion. I'm a person of faith. And I have a belief in who Jesus is, in his love, and his promises that are contained in this book. And that's what gives me hope this Christmas. And I want the same for you. I don't know all the answers and I don't know all that's going on in your world. But this thing I do know. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you, for those who love him. In a moment, the team are going to come back and they're going to sing one of my favorite songs. If you're going to sing along, sing quietly so you don't ruin it for me, please. No, just kidding. Sing loud and sing proud, even if you can't sing at all. It's Oh Holy Night, one of my favorites. Before they sing, I wonder if you'd like to take a step of faith this morning. A step of faith in response to a God who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. Your first step today, your step of faith might be as simple as after this service up in the Connect Lounge, which is where the fairy lights are over in the corner there. We have some Bibles there today. And you might want to go grab a Bible, take a Bible with you home. No questions asked. You just might want to take it and read it. And that could be your first step of faith this Christmas. The second thing you might want to do is you might want to talk to someone. And there will be people at that Connect Lounge that will be able to chat with you. Maybe ask you some questions, have a chat. Or maybe you might want to take a step of faith that declares that today is the day that you believe in Jesus Christ. That you say, I want to say a prayer and I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to say a prayer that says I believe in who he is and I want to receive the gift of eternal life. And what I'm going to ask us to do this morning across this room, I'm going to ask us all to close our eyes and I'm going to ask kids not to be talking. We just have a moment where we're just quiet. And we're going to say a prayer. We're all going to say it together. And I'm going to invite every one of us to pray this prayer. But you might be praying it today for the first time. And you might be praying it as a way of saying, no, this Christmas, I want to recommit my life to God. I've lost my hope and I want it back. I want to be back in that place where I have hope, where I know his love and his goodness. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask everyone to repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you in my life. I believe that you are the son of God. And that you came to earth to give us eternal life. I open my heart to you and receive you. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. But today I receive your forgiveness and your acceptance. Take control of my life from this day onwards. In your name I pray. Amen. Today, if you prayed that for the first time, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you just simply to let someone know. Maybe at the Connect Lounge, maybe come and see me. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member. Just tell them and say, you know what? I prayed that prayer today and I meant it. That was the first time. 
or that was a way of me recommitting my life to God. But I meant that prayer today because I want to be in a place where I know His love and I know His goodness. Don't leave today without letting someone know the great decision that you have made in this place. I pray that this Christmas, all of us would have the hope that comes from knowing God's love. No matter what tomorrow looks like, no matter what the rest of today looks like, we would always, 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 always have hope. We would be people that would dare to hope. People would look at us and go, what have you got to hope about? And we would be able to say, there's something in here, a belief, a conviction, a faith that gives me hope. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance. Because of what Jesus has done for us, at Christmas we celebrate it. But let's be people that always, always, always have the hope that he came to give. Never losing the hope that we find in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Merry Christmas, church. All those visiting, Merry Christmas to you. Stay safe. Let's sing this song together and remember all that God has done for us and the hope we have in Him. Amen.